Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back to Disciple Making. I'm here, Darren Ride, with my friend Tim Beadle. And we're often amazed, as I think you probably are, of how God works in ways we can't imagine or orchestrate or plan, how he answers prayers, how he daisy-chains experiences and stories together. And we're here to talk about uh, how God works through basically overlapping stories and experiences to accomplish his mission and how we need to be alert to that and participate in that. And it might sound a little bit abstract at, at first out of the gate. So Tim, why don't you help put some, uh, put some pins in that for us and yeah, help us gonna, understand how to apply this truth. Yeah, I'll talk about a few things. We're actually going to look in a Bible passage to see how this applies and invite our listeners, our faithful listeners, to uh, as they read Bible and as they live their lives to be aware of this uh, principle in Scripture. I guess, you know, the easiest thing, if you look at our own sort of spiritual family trees, is to see through whose other lives God has drawn us mm. to himself. So, so Darren, in terms of your story, your history, your faith uh, sort of chronology, uh, who, who did God use to, to bring you to himself? Well, I mean, there's there's certainly the family background of yeah. a grandfather who was a circuit riding preacher, and so my mother was born in a Christian family who brought my dad to faith. So there, so there's that track. But then I look at some, you know, some significant people in my life. My that grand that very grandfather and uncle, in fact, were the ones who were teaching at a Bible camp when I went forward. Yeah, you know, so they were very, you know, directly and immediately instrumental at that stage. You know, and then later in life, I had some, you know, as I kind of wandered off from the faith. A bit. I had some friends who wandered sort of with me, but we also sort of maintained our faith, mm. and that provided a, a sense of almost a, a non-active Christian community in a way that that had a sense of stability, maybe kept us from going off the rails too far, and made it easier to come back on track when the time came back. So there, it's almost like a web, really, when you look at it. Yeah, you know, so we we live all you know busy lives, and we're all multitasking. Uh, but what I want to remind our, our friends today is that uh, God's heart never sways. Uh, his character is immutable in terms of his commitment to draw people to himself. Hmm. Uh, so Jesus said, you know, if the Son of Man be lifted up, I will draw all men, women, children to, to myself. Jesus said, uh, you know, John 3.16, but John 3.16, um, he didn't come to judge the world, but he came to seek and save those who were lost. Mm. So so every time we, we look at the Lord, and sometimes we don't think about this specifically, but, but he is always committed to drawing people uh, to him or back to him, as you sort of spoke in your... And so when we look in Scripture, for instance, you know, Luke 15, we have the parables of the lost sheep, the lost um, coin, and the lost son. And not, not only is God committed to bringing back uh, to himself those things that really belong to him. Uh, but he's relentless in this as well. <laughs> you know, the, this, the, the, this is what he is all about. And uh, there's, a, the, there's a passage, a story that sort of uh, shows not only his desire, but also how he involves us. You know, Matthew 25, it talks about, you know, how the talents, the, the parable of the talents, uh, where different amounts of whatever were given. Some people say, well, money. I say, well, I, I don't know if it's really talking about money. Some people say spiritual gifts. I say, I don't know really about spiritual gifts because at the end of the parable, the one who didn't use what was given to him, it was given to someone else. 
Mm. And and uh, the, the way I understand and preach this is that God gives us so many opportunities uh, to influence and impact other people for Christ. And if we don't use our opportunity, mm. he takes it and, and he gives it to those who are using all of their opportunities. And many times we see people's stories impacted by other people's stories who are being drawn to Jesus. So I, I just want to use this as a, a case study as we look into scripture in Mark chapter 5. Uh, and if you have a Bible with you on your phone, tablet, the old-fashioned paper version, <laughs> I, I just want to pause in there for a few minutes because it's a beautiful example. And I think often we miss uh, this lesson, how God uses uh, someone's experience to overlap with another person's experience to strengthen them in their faith as well. Mm. So uh, I don't know uh, who was given the opportunity to put the headings above the little uh, passages in Scripture, Darren. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Uh, the, the person here obviously um, thought that the cup was half empty because he called this a, a dead girl and a sick woman. Uh, <laughs> at, at, at the end of the chapter, here we have a healthy woman and a, and a living girl. He, he could have said that, but he started uh, at the other end. And, and this is where I want to start. Uh, Mark 5 in... Uh, Verse uh, 24, it says, a large crowd followed Jesus and pressed around him. So I want you, I want to invite you as I have in the past. Well, let's walk with Jesus. Let's stand right beside him. We've got front row seats, as it were, and all the other crowds are pressing into him. Mm. Everyone wanted a piece with him. And it says that a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Now, uh, Darren, in your understanding, if you suffered from a bleeding affliction, what did that what what label or restrictions did that put on you in, in culture? Well, I mean, that culture, probably something to do with uncleanness for sure. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. You know, you'd be kind of on the outside. You're, yeah. you're, and all that that implies, you wouldn't be the center of any party, that's for sure. Yeah, you probably wouldn't even be allowed out of the house for a lot of uh, the things going on. But it says here, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, had spent all she had. Instead of getting better, she grew worse. So let, let's just pause and enter into this this woman's experience. She was desperate. Uh, but somewhere along the way, she had heard about Jesus. I don't know who. Maybe someone else's experience had overlapped now with her. Maybe it was she was sitting by the window in her house. She wasn't allowed to go out because she was unclean. But she heard this, this uh, chatter, uh, this exclamation about this one called Jesus. And so she took a big risk and she went out in the crowd. She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she came up with this thought. It's a beautiful thought. If I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. So what she had heard about Jesus well, it was so amazing. She said, I don't even have to talk to you. If I can just touch him, hmm. I think I can be healed. It's, it's a real testimony of faith. And so uh, that's what she did. <laughs> it says, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. I always... Uh, uh, I stop at that and says, man, like Jesus didn't, he just is, it's like a super, superhero, like this power has gone out. Yeah. It's almost as if he, it caught him by surprise. And maybe it did because everyone's trying to get a touch of him, but someone touched him in a different way. Hmm. And he said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples say, well, you see people crowding around you and yet you ask who touched me. But uh, literally what Jesus was saying when he said, who touched me? He said, someone is making a demand on mm -hmm. my ability. So it is a different type of touch. 
And then it says, the women, knowing what had happened, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, Darren, I don't know about you, but like that, that, that makes kind of a neat, neat little passage. But this story was actually in the middle of someone else's story as well. Because when we go back to, uh, you know, verse 21 in, in Mark 5, it says, Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side. Large crowds were gathered, and one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet, very similar to what happened to this woman. Uh, and he started pleading earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Come and put your hands on her so she will be healed. So Jesus went with him. Hmm. So Jairus and Jesus are actually walking along and the crowds are coming around, and that's when this woman comes and touches Jesus, and Jesus stops and says, who touched me? Most mm. people, myself included until a few years ago, I miss how these stories are overlapped. Mm. Well, here's this guy in need of Jesus, in need of something for his daughter. Ironically, uh, his, his daughter was also 12 years old. Um, so he knew what 12 years felt like when, when the women probably said, for 12 years I've been bleeding and all this. And so... Uh, he sees this miracle happen, and I believe Jesus allowed and entertained this to happen rather than just keep rushing through to his house, because it says this, while Jesus was still speaking to this woman, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and he said, your daughter's dead. Hmm. He says, why bother the teacher anymore? And that could have been the end. But I believe uh, not only was Jesus still standing with him, uh, but he said, don't be afraid, just believe. And based on this other woman's story of mm. being healed, I think his own resolve to stick with Jesus uh, because of another woman's story actually allowed him to keep the faith. And as the story goes, they go to the house and he got everyone out from the house except for Peter, James and uh, John and the parents. And he, he raised this little girl who was just actually asleep. People laughed at him. Um, but she she was alive, and uh, what, you see how these these stories are overlapped, and and, and I just really believe in uh, the here and now in our everyday experience, we have to leave live with intentionality with our eyes wide open, because mm. as we look at what God is doing in one person's life, so often we just think about that one person, uh, but we fail to realize. I wonder who else is being influenced by the story in that person's life. Mm. Oh yeah, that's that's such a great word, Tim. You know, and and uh I, I think about that even our neighborhood, you know, as we as we meet this person and that person, often we think of them as individuals, yeah. but they too are neighbors. Yeah. And they have overlapping stories. And we, you know, I had a very interesting thing happen the other day. I was flying back from Vancouver and uh, my seatmate was a, a girl, she's a traveling nurse yeah. and got talking about her, you know, where she's been and what she does. And uh when I got home, I told my wife about this, she said, that sounds like my boss's sister. Really? <laughs> I, I heard her sister was coming back from a two-month stint somewhere. And, mm -hmm. you know, this lady that Kristen has been praying for and working with, sure enough, I'd spent an hour and a half visiting, not visiting the whole time, but chatting with Kristen's boss's sister, yeah. who Kristen works with every day, who prays for every day. And there's this little bit of an overlap thing happening. And, you know, fortunately, the interaction was positive and, and yeah. hopefully contributes to that other story. That's just a very small example of yeah. what I think God does every day on a on an exponential scale. Yeah. So, so I think a couple of challenges 
as you said, I hope it was a good impression or whatever. <laughs> we have to make the most of every opportunity. The Bible mm. tells us make the most of every opportunity, which means we have to live with our spiritual eyes wide open. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've said many times before, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Uh, either they're in, in, in the household of faith or, or they need Jesus. And uh, just as uh, Paul said, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. Even in saying that, he's overlapping stories with someone else uh, who now he invites into his story as Paul continues his uh, sojourn with Jesus as well. So um, uh, several uh, uh, several podcasts ago, I, I talked about the principle of keeping the flag up the pole. Hmm. And this talks about the consistent witness of being a Christ follower because people are always watching. When you're different, they will watch you and wonder why. Just like in the days of, uh, you know, uh, Daniel and his friends, they didn't bow down and they were put under observation. And if you live a life of salt and light in the world, people will be watching you as well. Yeah. So uh, I, I was uh, I was at a soccer game with my uh, grandsons uh, a couple nights ago, and all the parents are just sitting there, and I didn't recognize anyone there. Uh but after the game, one of the coaches on the field said to my son, he said, uh, does your dad go to like Foothills Alliance? I said, yeah, he does. Yeah. Isn't he the pastor there? And I had no knowledge because it's a large church. I, I, I don't know this person, hmm. but they, they knew me. And huh. obviously, you know, they were busy doing other stuff, but they still recognized me. And if I hadn't been uh, consistent in what I was doing, they're just, just being a, a dad, a grandparent, uh, loving my little grandkids. Uh, everyone is, people are always watching you. So friends, never forget that, that when you come to Christ, you are sort of put under observation. Oh yeah. You know, Tim, one of the biggest traumas of my life was my father, when he retired from the RCMP, started a sporting goods store that okay. did really well for a few years and ultimately went out of business. He was for, you know, foreclosed upon very difficult time in our lives. And it was several years later, I was in canoe racing. I was paddling down a lake with a couple of fellas. And this one fellow named Bob said, you know, I knew your dad's business was never going to work. Yeah. And he, and I, he said, and you know why? He said, to make a business work in this town, you got to be crooked. And I knew <laughs> your dad wouldn't compromise. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's true in, in an absolute way, but for him, the fact that the business didn't work was evidence of integrity. And for me, that was a very interesting thought, you know, just to see how, how that was even used, even that. Failure was used yeah. to bump a person along, perhaps in their spiritual journey. Yeah, there you go. You know, uh, I, I'm a little closer to the end of my sort of pastoral career than, than you are, Darren. But you know what? When I reflect on perhaps any legacy that I want to entrust to those who follow me, family or otherwise, uh, you, you want to finish well. You want to finish well. And unfortunately, so many people, politicians, yeah, even pastors, they haven't finished well because they've compromised something. They've compromised their walk with the Lord. And I believe when you compromise your walk, you're basically trying to change the narrative in your story and have the best of both worlds. Hmm. You want to be seen as one type of person, but you're actually living another. And just how many people have actually been turned away from Christ hmm. uh, because they, they, they idolized or, or held in high esteem someone who, in the end, uh, didn't really, they, they, they weren't the person that they led others to be. So, so uh, I don't know if I'm rambling, but but th th this was th this was the focus that the Lord had laid on my heart. 
Hmm. that your story is impacting other people's stories. People are watching you and God will continue to give opportunities to you to help draw people to himself because he is sold out for the souls of all men, women, and children this side of heaven. Oh, amen. No, I, I mean, that's maybe a little shorter than usual, Tim, but I think that's not a bad landing word because that's, yeah. that is the application. That is the call, isn't it? Yeah. To represent Jesus accurately every day, no matter what we're doing, visibly and invisibly. Yeah. You know, that we, we don't always need to think we're being observed directly, but it ripples through. And it's, you know, if we do it all the time, we have nothing to worry about. That's right. So thanks for joining us. For another edition of Disciple Making, uh, Darren and I get, take great pride uh, and and pleasure in terms of uh, having you uh, listen along the way. Please uh, reach out to us at any time with suggestions for future topics or focus. And may God continue to walk with you and overlap your life with others in these days. In Jesus' name, take care. Amen. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or ChristFollowerDNA.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.